Hello, everyone, and thanks for listening to the fourth episode of Dorney's Vinyl, a classic rock album podcast. I'm Colin, and again, joined on this podcast by my fiancée, Miranda. Hello. And today's episode, we're going to be talking about GTR's self-titled album, GTR. Before we get into that, though, if you haven't, if this is your first time listening to us, I recommend that you listen to our previous podcast when we talk about Meatloaf's Bat Out of Hell, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, and Super Tramp's Breakfast in America. This podcast is also available to be listened to. We upload it to Anchor FM, but Anchor FM distributed distributes it to other podcast avenues such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and there's a few more on there. Um, so if you're new, we usually like to start off each episode doing a personal story that we have about the album. Um, but since this album, you know, neither of us really have too much of a story behind it. I kind of just listened to it, liked it, and Miranda had I showed it to Miranda, and she listened to it and liked it. And I recognized some of the songs, too. There was a few that I was like, oh, I didn't know this was GTR. So. I Yeah. Um, but instead of doing a personal story to start off our podcast, um, I think we're going to change things up on the introduction and just do some different things. Um, so for this introduction, uh, we decided to go back to uh, one of the f- of the Fleetwood Mac episode, actually, um, and talk about something that might have been missed. So um, this one thing I wanted to talk about from the Rumors podcast was the importance of the song Silver Springs. I mentioned it briefly talking about in the song rundown, just because... Um, Stevie Nicks wanted it to be on the album, but it was initially left off, and I didn't realize the importance of this song to the album, actually. So, um, Silver Springs was written by Stevie Nicks about her breakup with Buckingham, and she wanted it to be on Rumors, but it was left off because it was too long and too slow. Um, and Stevie Nicks nearly quit the band because of this, um... She was extremely upset. She wanted the song to be on it. But instead, it was released as a B-side to the single Go Your Own Way, which was Buckingham's breakup song to her. Um, And then a few years later, I think in 1992, Stevie Nicks wanted to include this song on her solo compilation album of her greatest hits. And Mick Fleetwood wouldn't left her, so she decided to just leave the band for good at that point. Um... In 1997, Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham rejoined the band for a reunion tour, um, and this song was performed, recorded, and released as a single, and the that version was nominated for a Grammy. Um, and near the end of the song, there is a just a moment in the music video while they're performing that Nicks just stares at Buckingham. And Buckingham staring back, and Stevie Nicks just sings, "You'll never get away from the sound of the woman who loves you." Um, but and there's a rumor, and I don't know how true the rumor is, but there's a rumor that Buckingham and Nicks nearly got back together during this tour, but Buckingham and his wife had an unexpected child. Um, so I don't, yeah, I just wanted to add that to the the rumors podcast because it just adds in with the drama that was behind the band at that point. Um, so if Miranda doesn't have anything else to add, she doesn't, well, we'll get into the GTR section of the podcast. He's a fighter, he's my friend, always winning in the air. He's no angel, he's no fool, never plays a 
the GTR's self-titled album GTR. Um, it's not a well-known album. Um, I found it listening it. Uh, my dad had it on CD, and he would play it as one of the so one of the CDs that when I was working out. And then the record, I got the record as one of I think it was within the first ten records that I've I owned. Um, so some of the quick facts: it was released in July of 1986 under the record label Arista Records. It was produced by Jeff Downs. It is the first and only studio album released by GTR, and it features songs written by Steve Hackett, Steve Howe, Jeff Downs, Max Bacon, Phil Spaulding, and Jonathan Mover. It has two songs that charted on the Billboard Hot 100, and I couldn't find any information on the album sales, um, but it claims to have reached gold status, which is 500,000 claimed sales, so somewhere between 500,000 sales and 1 million sales. So um, I'm going to do the artist profile for GTR, and something that I didn't mention at the beginning of the podcast was that there I didn't I couldn't find too much information on this album, so um, it's going to be it might be somewhat of a shorter podcast, and some of the information, some of the sections might be a little short. Um, but GTR was founded in 1985 in England, um, another English another English band that we're doing. Um, the name of the band comes from dropping all the vowels from the word guitar. The band. Oh my goodness! I get it. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering where GTR came from. That's funny. The band consisted of five members. So it had former Yes and Asia guitarist Steve Howe, former Genesis guitarist Steve Hackett, Max Bacon, Jonathan Mover, and Phil Spaulding. I like the name Bacon. They released one studio album. Uh, they had two singles chart on the Billboard Hot 100, and the band broke up in 1987, so they were around for two years. Moving into the history of the album, um, we're mostly going to look at the history of Steve Howe and Steve Hackett, because they were the two main people to form GTR. So, Steve Howe. In April 1970, guitarist Steve Howe joined the rock band Yes. Um, he was photographed for an album that he had not played on because the recent guitarist Peter Banks quit before the album was released. Um, the band began to record for a new album, and Howe's guitar was seen as an essential part of the album, and he was given a guitar solo that was included on the final recording. And Yes released numerous studio albums, and they became one of the most successful rock bands of the 1970s. In 1975, Yes took a break as a band to let all of its members release solo albums, um, and Howe released his first solo album, Beginnings, in 1975, and it charted at number 22 in the UK and number 63 in the US. He released his second studio album, the Steve Howe album, in 1979. 
1980, two members left the group and were replaced, and one of the replacements was Jeff Downs. Uh, yes broke up in 1981 after releasing a new album that incorporated elements of New Wave, and the group got back together a year later, but Steve Howe did not join them. In 1981, Howe formed the group Asia with Jeff Downs, John Wetton, and Carl Palmer. Uh, their debut album was the highest-selling album of 1982, and Howe left the group in 1983 because he thought the songs for their second album were stale and too direct. But in 1984, Howe performed an acoustic guitar solo on an album released by the pop group Frankie Goes to Hollywood. I've heard of that somewhere. Yeah? Yeah, I don't know where, but it sounds really <laughs> familiar. Well, now Steve Hackett. In 1970, Steve Hackett placed an advertisement in Melody Maker, which was the same magazine that Rick Davies used to form Supertramp to find the new band. Uh, Peter Gabriel, who was the lead vocalist for Genesis, responded to the advertisement. And Hackett's first live performance with the band came in January of 1971. So it's kind of, I think it's kind of funny how Supertramp and Genesis both used a magazine to form their bands. Yeah. Um, in 1971, Hackett performed on Genesis's album Nursery Crime. He suggested that the band use a Mellotron in their songs, which helped shape the group's sound. And he was also given numerous solos on multiple songs on the album. Uh, Van, ha Van Halen said that he found his guitar technique listening to H Hackett and Genesis. Over the next few years, Genesis released numerous albums, but they struggled during the writing sessions due to complications in their personal lives. Hackett was going through a divorce with his first wife, um, and in 1975 he released a solo album, Voyage of the Acolyte, and in 1976 he released his final album with Genesis because in 1977 he left the band. Um, he claimed that his freedom in Genesis was being restricted and his level of input was being rebuffed because he wanted more of his material to be on the albums, which is probably every <laughs> musician's, <typical. laughs> every musician's wish. Um, he released another solo album, Please Don't Touch, in 1978, um, and he brought in numerous musicians to do the vocals on the album. It peaked at number 38 on the UK chart and number 103 on the Billboard 200 and he assembled a band so that he could perform the music live. Um, over the years, he released numerous solo albums. He released two in 1979, with the highest one charting at number nine in the UK, which is his highest charting solo album. And he released another solo album in 1981, two more in 1983, and one more in 1984. In 1985, Steve Howe, discussed forming a new group with former Yes manager Brian Lane. Howe approached Hackett about forming a group who agreed based on his last few albums selling disappointingly. And Howe and Hackett then recruited drummer Jonathan Mover, bass guitarist Phil Spaulding, and vocalist Max Bacon. The band wanted to create a rock sound without using keyboard synthesizers. Uh, Howe was angry with the predominance of keyboards in Asia, and instead, How Hackett and Howe used Roland guitar synthesizers pickups. Brian Lane pursued record deals but struggled to gain any traction, and eventually they found one and brought in Jeff Downs to produce it. Howe and Hackett disagreed on the method to go about recording. Howe wanted to invest in high-quality studio time, and Hackett wanted to use a low-budget approach but invest in the instruments and technology. 
and GTR released their self-titled debut album in July of 1986. So now we've reached the song rundown of the album. There are 10 songs on GTR. The lead track was When the Heart Rules the Mind, which was written by Hackett and Howe. Um, and the, the uh, personnel, the, the um, players on, the, on each song are the same, so I'm just going to say it for When the Heart Rules the Mind. Um, and then I'll say if, it's, uh, if there's any new instruments or uh, different than these, this personnel. So it features Hackett on the electric guitar, synthesizers, and backing vocals, Howe on the electric guitar, synthesizers, and backing vocals, Bacon on the lead vocals, Spalding on bass guitar and backing vocals, and Mover on drums and percussion. Uh, this song was the lead single off of the album, and it peaked at number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100. Of the song, uh, Hackett said, I thought it was a great tune. That was the best of the band straight away on that first track. It sounded great on American FM because they, that compressed it and made it sound much more powerful. And Howe said part of the appeal of the song was the fact that it was also harmony based on the chorus. In fact, some of the early mixes of that sounded a little bit like the Beach Boys. The harmonies were thinned out. Um, and this song was actually re-recorded by Steve Hackett mm -hmm. in February of 2018. Um... So the next song, song number two, is The Hunter, which was written by Jeff Downs. Uh, it features the same personnel and the instruments. It was the second single off of the album, um, and it peaked at number 85 on the Billboard Hot 100. Even though it peaked at number 85, Hackett didn't consider it a successful single off of the album, saying, I think that if there had been a second single taking off, then we would have been giving Fleetwood Mac a run for their money. Um, and the song was re-recorded, or by Asia in 1997 for their anthology album. Um, I've heard that version. I like mm -hmm. the GTR version a lot better. I do too. Um, and it, it's uh, this song was also so it was written by Jeff Downs when they were marketing the album. Uh, I think it was whoever the the album the record company was. They wanted Jeff Downs to write all the songs, thinking that he was a better songwriter. So Hackett and Howe were kind of not surprised, but kind of. Um, I can't think of the word, but they were glad that their song peaked higher on the charts than Jeff Downs. So the third song off the album is Here I Wait, which was written by Hackett and Howe. Um, it seems to be a, about a guy waiting for his love to come back to him. Uh, with the lyrics, here I wait just to be forgotten, here I wait until we stand together. And I had always thought of you as someone I could trust. It came as such a shock to learn you play life as you much. As you, yeah, as you must. Yeah, yeah I think it's must too. The fourth song off the album is Sketches in the Sun, which was written by uh, Howe. It's a, an electric guitar solo, which was done by Howe, which is about two and a half minutes long. And it was re-recorded for his solo album Motif, Volume 1, and his anthology album. The fifth song is Jekyll and Hyde, which was written by Bacon, Hackett, and Howe. Um, it seems to be a man undergoing an identity crisis with the whole 
uh, lyrics is Demir lying. I must decide if I'm Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde. You know, the whole thing about Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Um, the sixth song is You Can Still Get Through, which was written by Hackett and Howe. Um, and it's, it, I mean, it's kind of a pretty inspirational song um, with the lyrics, Someday you're going to fly to the edge of the world. You just have to believe you can still get through. The seventh song off the album is Reach Out, Never Say No, which was written by Hackett, Howe, and Spaulding. Um, this song features the original personnel, and it also features Howe on the bass guitar, with lyrics including, Loving you makes nothing easy, after all the things we want are not the same. The eighth song is Toe the Line, which was written by Hackett and Howe, and it features lyrics of, Toe the Line, It'll Only Hurt, what are you trying to hide when you go swimming against the tide? The ninth song is a guitar solo done by Hackett and written by Hackett. There's a simplified version of this song on Please Don't Touch from the album of the same name. And it's not con not connected to his song A Hackett to Pieces, which is on his solo album Highly Strong. So he wrote Hackett to Bits and Hackett to Pieces. Um, he just liked to make a pun out of his last name, I guess. And the last song on the album is Imagining, which was written by Hackett, Howe, and Mover. Um, it's kind of a not-so-stereotypical love song with It was all a big mistake. Once we were partners in crime, we went off our separate ways. So those were the ten songs on the album. So now on to the implications of the album or what happened after the album. Um, GTR, the album actually peaked at number 11 on the U.S. Billboard Top 200, which um, I think is higher than Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell chart. I think Meatloaf was number 14, so if you think about it, on the Billboard Top 200, this album was more successful than that. Wow, and they're like not, I mean, they're known, but not, I feel like Meatloaf is more known. Yeah, um, so we'll get into that. I think during this. So even though the album was a chart success, fans of Genesis and Yes had mixed feelings about the album. Um, so some of the reviews of the album, Stephen Thomas Erlewine gave the album three out of five stars, saying, part of the problem is that the two guitarists, Howe and Hackett, crowd each other out. It rarely sounds like they're trading licks, but rather like they're stepping forward for solos at their pre-scheduled times. Christopher Curie hardly criticized vocalist Max Bacon for his performance on the album, saying, Bacon makes the album even worse than it would have been otherwise with his strained, caterwauling vocals. And Kerrang!, which was a UK rock magazine, gave it a 5 out of 5 star rating and ranked it number 19 on its list of best albums of 1986. However, the most famous review of the album came from G.D. Considine, who wrote SHT. Was he trying? Yes. Am I allowed to say he that was, on the yep. radio? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he, he just, <laughs> like GTR. He, yeah, he took the vowels out of it. Oh, that's mean. Um, but Hackett Who said, is this guy? Yeah, but Hackett actually said that the review helped them with the album sales, so he was all for it. Hey, um, sometimes bad press is good press, right? Mm-hmm. Any press is good press, I guess. Isn't that the, isn't that the say? <laughs> yeah. <I don't> <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after the album was released, the band went on tour in North America and Europe. 
but after rehearsing, they realized that the band's method of using guitar synthesizers wasn't good for the sound and that they needed a, key a keyboardist. So their whole point of the album was to avoid using a keyboardist and make all the sounds guitar, and then they couldn't do that in the live, so they needed to bring a keyboardist. Um, so they added Matt Clifford to the lineup, and they also performed songs that Howe and Hackett played with Yes and Genesis. Um, Hackett said at the by the end of the tour, the band was falling apart. He was dissatisfied with the music, and he didn't see eye-to-eye -eye with Howe. And he, he approached Brian May of Queen to, to join. Even though he was excited about it, they never made it happen. Um, and the band was in debt, so Hackett decided to leave. Oh, that's nice of him. Yep. <laughs> Howe tried to continue the band with Bacon Spalding, a new drummer, and a new guitarist, but the recording demos and the band were abandoned. Um, and after GTR, Howe and Hackett both resumed their solo careers. Uh, Max Bacon would go on to attempt a solo career, and in 1998 he made it to the finals on a British talent show. Phil Spalding would play the bass guitar on all the songs on the Lion King soundtrack. And Jonathan Mover would play the drums for numerous artists, including Elton John, Celine Dion, Peter Frampton, and more. So this album was a success. The band was not a success, <laughs> but they all were pretty much successful after that. So, for the album comparison part of this podcast, um, I decided to compare GTR with Steve Hackett's last studio album with Genesis, which was Wind and Wuthering, his last studio album, his last solo album, which was Till We Have Faces, Steve Howe's last album with Yes, which was Drama, and Steve Howe's last album with Asia, which was Alpha. So, peak on the Billboard Top 200, GTR peaked at 11, Wind and Wuthering at 26. Till We Have Faces did not peak, Drama peaked at 18, and Alpha peaked at 6. Songs charting on the Billboard Hot 100, GTR peaked at 2, Wind and Wuthering at 1, Till We Have Faces had 0, Drama had 1, and Alpha had 2. The all-music rating out of 5 stars, GTR was 3, Wind and Wuthering was 4, Till We Have Faces 3, Drama 3, and Alpha 3. And certified album sales, GTR at 500,000 sales and certified gold. Wind and Wuthering, 500,000 certified gold. Till We Have Faces, less than 500,000 with no certification. Drama, less than 500,000, no certification. And Alpha, 1 million certified platinum. So I think just through this um, comparison, GTR kind of restarted their careers in a way. Um, I think they, you know, they tried doing solo albums, and their bands that they were in were kind of failing. Um, so they tried something new, and it maybe it jump-started. Um, maybe not as much as Asia was doing, um, but at least it jump-started it to a point where they went on to continue to be successful. And still, um, I don't know if they. I think Hackett still goes on tour. I don't know if how. I think how I saw you. They he did a reunion tour with Yes or. He performed with Yes recently. Um, so, yeah, that's the comparison. What are you trying to hide when you go swimming? I 
So now on to our favorite part of the podcast where we rank our top five favorite songs. Um, Number five, I will let Miranda go first because this was my album choice. (laughs) Okay, my uh, number five was You Can Still Get Through. I really liked the beginning, uh, and it had Stop, Look, and Listen. And then I like the end. I think it's just super motivational, and I like the very like last 15 seconds where the drums kind of are in they close the song mm-hmm. my number five was all right before before like i go through my ranking it was actually hard to pick like the top five it was i agree i had a re- i told you when we were listening i said i'm having a really hard time because i said i got my top five and then we'd listen to other songs and i'd be like oh no now i gotta rearrange it <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's weird because it's easier picking top five when albums have hits yes but this one was didn't really have hits yeah like so, one or two, but like not. Yeah. It just I like I enjoyed the whole album. I think it was pretty good. So my number five was Here I Wait. Um, I thought it was funny. Okay, I don't mean I don't want it to sound like racist at all. It had like a <laughs> like the, the Asian feel at the beginning of yes, the song. Yes, yeah, yeah. Like, it was like the, the typical like. I said something you'd hear at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, like a, did yeah. I put that? Which one was um? This is this one. Yeah. So you you put it for this one, um, the Chinese rest. But I thought it, I, it sounds like something you'd hear in a dojo or something. Like <laughs> yeah, that. that's what it reminded me of. Um, but then it goes into like the harder rock, um, and then I I don't know. I like I like the chorus. Like here I wait, I can't wait forever, um, which was the first line of the chorus and the last line of the chorus, which was here I wait until we stand together. Um, I thought that was I, so. Mm-hmm. I like that. That was my number five. Number four. The number four is the hunter. Um, I liked, he's a fighter, he's my friend, only the hunter, um, just kind of sounds like a battle song, I liked it. Mm -hmm. Um, my number four was Reach Out, Never Say No, um, so I just liked how, like, it was about halfway through the song, I I think, there was, like, a guitar solo that made it sound like it was a different song, Mm -hmm. um, and then the chorus where, you know, it was, like, the Reach Out, Never Say No, but, like, in the background, it was, like, the higher-pitched vocals of Reach Out, Never Say No, um, underlying it, um, so yeah. Number four, my re- number four was reach out, never say no. Number three, my number three was here I wait. So yeah, I, I also said I like the beginning. It sounds like I'm in a Chinese restaurant, and then a rock band invades the restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's funny. Um, I I like I wait for you. I like that part. I said it's really a sweet love song. Yeah. Um, my number three was you can still get through. Um, so, I like the beginning, the beginning beat of it, um, it was like, dun, 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 uh, just that part, and then how it shows up at near the end of the song, um, and then, you know, the chorus on this one, too, someday you're gonna fly to the edge of the world, uh, you just have to believe you can still get through, um, so, yeah, that was my number three, number two. My number two, this one was really hard, because I was debating between this one being my number one or my number two but i have imagining as my second favorite i love the chorus um how it just kind of goes back and forth uh, between it's like all the lies you were told imagining they were true you withhold imagining so i just i like the back and forth contrast of that and i think it has a really fun beat to it mm-hmm. so my number two was also imagining um so i i don't know i like the slow start to it I wrote that it had, like, a Venice acoustic guitar feel. I don't really know what I meant by that. <laughs> um, but I'm sure listening to it, it makes sense, probably. Yeah. 
Um, and then it kind of goes to, like, an epic build-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and even how this one, it kind of, like, meshed with the last, the song before it, which was Hack It to Bits, the guitar solo. Um, I know when we were listening to it, you didn't know when the songs, when it became, it's like its own song. Right. Um, and I actually didn't either until I looked at it. Um, I just happened to look at it at the time when it was switching, and I was like, oh, I, I always forget when it switches. Um, but even the chorus where it's, um, I think it's Bacon just screaming, imagining. Yeah. And the other band members with all the lies you were told. Um, and then the other, the other lyrics of it, too. Um, but yeah, number two is imagining. So number one, I have a feeling I know what it's going to be, <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, my number one was when the heart rules the mind. Um, notes are kind of... I like the harmonies uh, when they are singing when the heart rules the mind, the chorus. I like how it slows down um, and it says like seasons will change, you must move on. Um, and that's yeah, I really liked that part. And I like the end instrumental um, as it breaks down. And it's, I think it just kind of, I'm not sure. What it, I, it ends with like a piano or a guitar in the background, but I like how it ends as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can say that it wasn't a piano. They don't use pianos. Oh, my bad. Well, I don't know what it was. <laughs> I put guitar, guitar or some type of something. Yeah, so my number one was also When the Heart Rules the Mind. Um, I just remember... When my dad would play this CD, this was, I mean, it was the first song, and it was the song that I knew the best. Um, I used to have this little, like, Zune thing. I had one of those, too! Yeah. Um, that was pink. Where you would, like, burn a CD. It was, like, like the, it was like a cheap iPod. Yeah. Where you would burn a CD and burn it directly on it, um, and this was, <laughs> this was one of the few songs that I had on it, um, in addition to Meatloaf, obviously. It was one of the few non-Meatloaf songs that I had on it. Wow. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, I, there was a period of time where there was like probably three or four years where I didn't listen to this song at all, and I was like, I miss this song. So then I just <laughs> like kind of how you forget about a song, and then you're like, oh, I forgot about this song. Yeah, um, I was like, I miss this song. So then I found the CD and listened to the whole CD, and uh, this one still stands out the most. But it's a good, it's a good CD. Um, Mm-hmm. Favorite part of the song, so it. I mean, I like how it has, like, Hackett and how they have two different like guitar riffs at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like one was kind of a beat, and the other one was kind of the, um, the song kind of, if that makes sense. Um, the middle of the song, it kind of had like an acoustic sound. It wasn't just an an electric guitar; it had an acoustic sound. Um, and the lyric "Seasons will change; you must move on, follow your dreams." Um, I don't know, it's kind of inspirational, like you said. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was pretty, pretty good overall. And I think overall, the thing that I liked most of this album was how they were able to intermesh the guitars. Like, I know one of the reviews was like, it just sounds like they're pre-scheduled. And it would have been cool to, to hear them just, like, one of them just playing the guitar, and the other one would just come in and play something that sounds cool, because I guess that's how, like... If you're a really good guitarist, you can do that and just play random random chords and things like that, and it just sounds good. I don't understand how they do that, but it does. Um, but that was, I mean, that was, you know, and then, like, it seemed like every guitar, every song had a, had a guitar solo. Like, there wasn't, it wasn't, like, overflowed with lyrics. 
Um, it was mostly, they mostly cared about the music. So I'm um, going to move on into the, um, we're going to rank our album. We're going to rank this album compared to the other albums that we did on the, on this podcast. So I have our handy board here to help us out since we're getting into oh, yeah, four albums now. Um, so where would you rank GTR? I would rank... So Rumors is still my first. I think Breakfast in America still is my second. I'm going to put GTR as third and Bad Out of Hell as uh, fourth. So you're putting GTR third and moving Meatloaf down to number four. Yeah. You're just going to keep moving Meatloaf down until it's at the very bottom, aren't you? Yes, you I'm sorry, You just want to forget meatloaf. about Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, Meatloaf. Mm-hmm. So for me, Bad Out of Hell is still number one. Um, I would... Put rumors. I'll keep rumors number two. Yay! <laughs> um, I mean, it's tough. Should have thought of this beforehand. Um, I will put. I think I'd put GTR above Breakfast in America. I think Breakfast in America wow. is a. I think like the thing that does it is Breakfast in America has has it's more. Um, I don't know. Oh man, I'm I'm not good with words right now. Into the bags. I need to talk to do a podcast. <laughs> It's more, like, on the ends of the spectrum. Like, Breakfast in America has its high highs with, you know, um, Breakfast in America, Goodbye Stranger, mm-hmm. and that. But it has its low... Like, the other songs are, like, unforgettable for me. Yeah. Whereas this one, um, it has its highs with When the Heart Rules the Mind and Imagining, in my opinion. Um, and it has its lows with the guitar solos, but every other song is... Um, it's, like, a tie for third, really. Um, and I, and I, I like the guitar sound. Um, it's close, though. It's not like Breakfast in America is terrible. It's like I would give GTR 4.5 out of 5 stars, Breakfast in America 4.3 out of 5 stars. <laughs> it's close. Um, so we both have it at number 3. Um, yeah. Right. So um, so this, this was the... You've listened to the album two times. Yes. Would you listen to it again? I definitely would. Yeah. I, I was just thinking about that earlier. Um, I would definitely listen to it again. There's some that I, was, I get kind of tired listening to. Not the songs, but the albums, like maybe Meatloaf. But um, I really, I like GTR. It was something I could easily sing again. Yep. You just like the music to sing it, don't you? Yes. That's the point of it. I just, <laughs> if I can't sing along, I don't want to listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think that is our podcast. This one is even shorter than the last one. Um, so our podcasts are getting shorter and shorter. Um, I don't know what else, if there's anything else to add. Um, if you have any album suggestions, um, if there are any albums that you would like to hear us cover, um, if you'd like to hear the history of the album, if you don't want to really look it up, or if you've looked it up and you think other people should hear about the album, um, you know, in, um, it's just like me, like GTR, GTR, I guarantee you 99 out of 100 people probably have not heard of this album. Um, they've probably heard of Genesis, Yes, in Asia, but they probably don't know that this album exists. Um, Miranda didn't know this album existed until a couple... I heard the song, really. Then couple, I, I, once I heard one of the songs, I was like, oh. Yeah, so, I mean... But, like, you've heard a song, but you didn't know, like, the whole album existed until a couple weeks ago, and right. you really like it. Mm-hmm. 
that's kind of one of the goals of this podcast is to bring about different albums that may not be mainstream. Um, we're still going to talk about the mainstream ones. I mean, Rumors is one of the most popular albums of all time, as is Bad Out of Hell, um, as is Breakfast in America. But it's nice. It's fun to throw in an album every once in a while that, um, you know, there's not as much information on and just for us to talk about it more than just read off of a, a you know, a history song stuff and, mm-hmm. and that. Um, so it, anyway, my whole point of this is if you have this album that you want us to listen to, please email us at dorneysvinyl at gmail.com. It's D-O-R-N-E-Y-S-V-I-N-Y-L at gmail.com. Um, yeah, thanks. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Last time I checked, we are up to 86 total listens on our podcast, which is about 80 more than I expected to be on it. Um <laughs> So thanks for listening, and oh, our next next podcast will be released January 7th, and we'll be going over Sweet's Desolation Boulevard, which is another album that Miranda has probably never heard of, but knows <laughs> songs off the album. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for listening. Music clips we discussed on this podcast are used in compliance with the U.S. Copyright Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commenting.